Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020, and joining me shortly in the future past tense is my good mate, 60s as we sit down with General Manager of Football Operations at the Parramatta Eagles, Mark O'Neill. As always, though, before we get into the action, a quick shout-out to the sponsors of the show, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Rowan, and Parramatta, who continue to be brilliant partners of the tip sheet and the Cumberland Throw. And with the opening orders of business done, I will now throw up the 60s and our chat with Mark O'Neill. In December every year, the Parramatta Eels head of football, Mark O'Neill, has been kind enough to join TCT to discuss the year that was and what lies ahead in the coming season. We're pleased to say that this year is no different. Mark, thank you so much for your time today. No worries, it's a pleasure. It's, I can't believe it's December, the year's just flown and Christmas is round the corner and before you know it we'll be back in for another campaign. Yeah, and um, and and just on that, we've been having a, a really great pre-season that's been happening, and the Project Paradise video was recently released by Eels Media. We noticed you and other staff participating in the overnight camp. It would have been interesting to be involved and to watch those processes from such close quarters. Look, it, it definitely was. It's uh, you feel a sense of privilege every time you're with the uh, with the group and to share such experiences like that. Uh, is fantastic. It was, it was a one nighter. It was overnight. There was, um, you saw the video, so it was. Mm-hmm. There was a lot sort of involved in that, and I guess the purpose behind it was to just try and change things up a little bit, take players and staff a little bit out of their comfort zone. Just like in a game, you're planning on uh, a particular way the game's going to go, and then all of a sudden it changes, and you might not have control uh, to a certain degree over how it changes, but you do need to respond no matter what the change is. And so I think you'd see there the guys went from excited, thinking they were going away to have a few beers and a, and a feed, and then all of a sudden they thought, oh, this might be a little bit harder than what we thought, and then it mixed it up again and up out of bed at 1 and 4 o'clock and working through a few things. So it was changed um, deliberately, yep. and uh, nobody, nobody knew. Brad and his uh, few of the coaches knew what was going on. That was it. And everyone responded really well, really well. Well, I knew it was unexpected because I fronted up on the Friday morning to come and watch training. And um, <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, why is the, the player car park empty? And then all of a sudden, all the cars came piling in and the players had obviously carpooled to, to get there and they were all jumping out. And I thought, oh, OK, it's not going to be the usual session here. Something's changed. And, yeah, found out later it was the big camp that uh, went on. Um, so you didn't even get the heads up either? I didn't get the heads <laughs> up. No, no. no uh, um, but uh, I guess if the players don't get their heads up, oh, you know, yeah. Joe Bloggs turning up to watch <laughs> trainers is not going to get their heads up. So, um, But it was, it was good even in that context because Brad and the staff had already left and yeah. um, when they played the, the video in the room, um, okay, the Wiseman's very in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, be there, don't be late. And then when you went out to the car, there was signs on the car saying, look, you can only take 11 vehicles. 
Yep. So they had to problem solve and, and determine which cars are going. Ah, okay. So it was really good. Like it was, it was you know well thought out, and uh, there was a lot of simple but effective initiatives like that that brought the team together, and uh, and they had to display a level of leadership and and care for one another, to, which was great. Actually, just looking at the video. And it, there was even simple things like seeing some of the senior players with their arms around the the young pathways players, you know, as they as they're around in groups working, you know, doing their their problem solving. And that might seem like a little deal, but I, I'm looking at that and I'm I'm seeing, well, here's the senior players embracing the young blokes as as part of the the squad. They're like, you know, you're one of us. Well, absolutely, and I think that's uh, one of the takeouts that I took from the camp there is that we've we've got some wonderful people you know staff and our players and uh they really you know they really do care and uh you know the pride that that we could talk about in our playing group when when we set up there they were considerate of everyone else but themselves they had to uh, there was only a certain amount of beds and they made sure that that staff and and uh, injured players were looked after mm-hmm. um a lot of the guys were selfless in their actions in the way that they brought it all together like it was a it was a it was a privilege to sort of be there in that environment and witness it because something as simple as like even keeping the campfire going all night just what a great time waster that is in a connector you're just sitting around uh, no one was going silly on the the beers you could have a beer if you wanted but there was nothing excessive or anything like that because you there was plenty more to do throughout the evening but just to sit there and connect and hear the story and it wouldn't matter if you were a player you know 38 or, you know, even on our extended list um, or player number one or two. They just all got around there and just the connection was wonderful. And, and, I, and I was really, really proud of the guys, the way that they come together. We've got some good players, good people there. Uh, and, and just uh, uh, in relation to that, the connection, I think, has to be there beyond just the players and, the, and, the, and their immediate staff because... Even looking at that video, to produce a video like that, the everyone has to be sort of on the same page about as well what could be filmed. Even like something as simple as what's going to be filmed, what's going to be shown. Yeah. You're, you're letting them into the the sort of personal bubble of the team, aren't you? It's yeah, yeah. It's like when we're talking about okay, this is an inner sanctum experience for the fans. It's also an inner inner sanctum experience for you know the media crew that are there, the, the Eels media. And even though they're part of the club, you know, you look at something like that and you think, okay, well, they're the players, the the coaching staff, they're like, okay, come in, you can come in and film. You know, might be discussing what's going to be shown later, but, you yeah, know, sure. welcoming and, me. And we, we want to get better at that. You know, we want to be able to tell the story and show the story. And we want to, we want to live our mission. And we want, and that is to you know, uplifting lives, create memorable moments and bring communities together. And that's, that's you know, just one example of how we can do that. And the access that Brad and his team provided and the playing group as well, with their permission, was it was fantastic because not only do we want to um, uh, be better at that in terms of our connection with our community, we want to get everyone, as many people as we possibly can, to identify as an eel, feel that sense of belonging that... This is our club, the community feel that we've got. And if we can live our four values in united, accountable, all in and respect, 
uh, and talk to demonstrated examples around those quite freely, openly, confidently and, uh, and on numerous occasions and bring that to life throughout our whole network, not just from the football department but the whole of business and our extended external uh, stakeholder network. I mean, that'll be a club that everyone wants to be proud of and uh, that's what we're striving towards. We need to get better in certain areas and we've certainly got a commitment to do that. And on a lighter note, I think Sean Russell has an early contender for Clip of the Year in his response to the task that Brad Arthur gave him to steal Bryce, <laughs> Bryce Cartwright's backpack. I think the frick <laughs> to the camera is going to be tough to, to top. But uh, no, there were some good moments there. Good, good crew. And like I said, it was just it was just great to great to uh, to be part of it. To be fair, and obviously the camp is just one part of the preseason, um, and it's a preseason that's looking a little bit different this year. But what positives are you seeing out of what we're seeing or what we have on the uh, Kellyville Training Park right now? I'm seeing a lot of positives, like I guess uh, an uninterrupted pre-season, like when I say that is, uh, you know, unfortunately we didn't go deep into the competition like we would have in 23, but that brought us back a little bit earlier, uh, following on from the the year that all clubs had, I guess, last year with the World Cup. So it was good to start early. Uh, the young players that we've had come into the squad have brought a lot of energy and enthusiasm, which is which is good because it puts a lot of the older blokes, I guess, on notice, the more senior blokes. It, it keeps them young. It keeps them refreshing, um, refreshed, I should say. They're, they're always working hard. Or pre-seasons, they have to be hard because you won't enjoy your football otherwise. And um, and the, the, they're designed to make you and not, not break you. So the energy and effort that they've brought in and the connectedness of the guys, I've mentioned there's a wholehearted commitment to... Um, return to where we feel that we belong in, in you know in finals football that won't come we will have to you will have to go and make it happen and grab it but some of the youngsters like uh blaze ethan woods richie saxon charlie jock sam tuavati josh lynn a lot of them had successful seasons individually and collectively last year as a team but they've come through uh now and trained them with a in the full-time program and just it's just great to see when young, talented, confident and energetic players come through. It, uh, it just lifts up the, the the standards, the bar of what uh, is normal accepted practice because they break through a few barriers and create their own bar. Yeah, it's they've been impressive so far. But let's rip off the Band-Aid from uh, the season just gone. 2023 wasn't what we wanted it to be. Why? Well, ultimately, if I was to issue a, a short answer, is that we weren't good enough. Um, there were some factors that, uh, um, you know, will come into it uh, and people will talk about it, i.e. from the way we started the season, some suspensions, some injuries at key time. All these things are factors, there's no doubt about it, but they're factors not just unique to Parramatta. All clubs has to deal with challenges around that. I think... And to be fair to say, around depth in some key positions um, uh, played a part in that. Um, at the end of the day, I guess we weren't good enough. And uh, as harsh as that sounds, it's a reality and we need to take our medicine and, and be better next year because there'll be a lot of other teams that will look to continuously improve just like we will be as well. It might just be correlation, not being causation, but the last time the Eels stumbled was in season 2018, which corresponded with a Rugby League World Cup, just like we saw in the season past. Is there something there perhaps in, in the way of a shortened pre-season maybe uh, impeding the way Parramatta tend to plan out for their full campaign? 
Yeah, look, it, it, it'd be unhelpful, I'd say. That, um, because, but I reckon if you asked every club, they would love a full pre-season no to doubt. work with their players. And, and uh, But, you know, we're on a journey as well uh, around just our identity as a club and, and our game model. And, you know, I don't think we've ever been more congruent with the style of how we want to play and uh, our coaching and training methodology to give ourselves the best chance of success. So uh, there's a lot of determined players and staff down here in the in the footy department that uh, that want to show that uh, last year will be proven to be an outlier, and we return to some uh, performances like we've had the you know the previous four years to that. And you said frankly that we weren't good enough, and I think that's a, a fair statement. But is there anything positive that we can take away from the season in 2022? Oh, look, 100. percent I think there is, whether it's players. Younger players gaining another year of experience. I think of like, say, for example, like a Will Penasini. Uh, for that, there's a lot of players that we debuted throughout the year that'll be better for the for their experiences. Uh, we had four players that that played in an Origin series in the one year. I can't remember the last time that we that's actually occurred. It certainly hasn't been in the last five years in, in my time, and and you know probably more beyond that. But I guess the the victories that we we took over Penrith, you know, particularly the last game uh, out of Penrith where some may argue we didn't have a great deal to play for in terms of making the finals, but it just sh- showed the character of the group. If they didn't have character, they you know, probably would have went out, would not have gone out and played with the same intensity they did that night and might say, well, Penrith was safe. You know, on the other hand, that may be the case too, but if we look at the way we performed, because there's two things, performance and results. You can control your performance to a large degree. Results sometimes, uh, you know, you don't have as much um, control over. But the way that we finish a year like that showed a bit of character in the group. So, you know, individually and collectively, I think, um, yeah, we can take a fair bit out of it. And it's it's created a burning desire and hunger for the team to return and to the finals next we, year. I think we spoke about that in the wake of that win in 60s in that we'd had a couple of important games slip through our hands. The Roosters game probably most notably when we are still in the hunt for the finals. But I think that was an important result, a statement game in its own way to say that the, the club, the team, you know, as much as they had their troubles in the season, they weren't going away just yet. Yeah, and I don't think you can ever suggest that Penrith would take <laughs> a game against Parramatta no. easy. Like if there's a club that they are... Absolutely determined I mean, to not let. Quite vocal about it. Oh, they? they hate Parramatta. I mean, you know, like they they have a. It wouldn't matter where the clubs are positioned on the ladder. The Penrith attitude towards Parramatta is we want to beat them every time. And the fact is that when it's come to regular season games, Parramatta's been able to match the Panthers. It's you know we've we would, had the we would like to do it in the uh, in the. Most regular but, season but, games, yeah, that's wrong. Right. But, but I mean, that's that's healthy. The rivalry between yeah. Parramatta and Penrith, you know, the Western Sydney sort of uh, um, connection there, the link, and, uh, that, and you know that that that's healthy because there's plenty of Para fans out there that feel <laughs> the exact same way about uh, you know Penrith as what the Penrith fans do for Parramatta. So it's it's healthy and it's good and it, it makes it enjoyable. I mean, the they're our little brother. <laughs> and oh, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. There's definitely been. I'm a few definitely not going there. <laughs> definitely been a few game of the year contenders in recent seasons between the two clubs. So the rivalry is very healthy and the style between the two clubs, uh, at least in the regular season, has been 
very interesting to watch on the field. So good stuff. But look, I still want to go back to um, talking about this past season. I was critical about the lack of depth in the roster for the outside backs. Was that a fair assessment? I think so. Um, you know, like, I guess there was um, a couple of players that we we would have liked to have come on a bit quicker or or, or, um, or we needed to allow time to, to uh, recover. And like, so I think Hayes Dunster, for example, you know, coming off the back of a very, very serious injury yeah. some time ago, like he was never going to be at his best, you know, until... You know, twelve months had passed, and beyond then, you know, such was the serious nature of uh, his injury. And getting another preseason under his belt now will be terrific for for him. We did use Isaac Lumi Lumi early on in the season as well. Uh, Sam Luizio had a few injuries um, that um, you know hampered his campaign as well too. So I think it's I think it's fair. And to your point earlier, where you you made the point where you noticed senior players and the younger players sort of connecting and, and spending some time and with, with one another. That's important for, that it plays for the depth because when the players come into the squad, and they might not come into the squad until around 16, 17, 18, things like that, yeah. but when they come in, they need to feel like they belong immediately. And uh, the, the more comfortable you are in terms of um, feeling like you do fit into that, that group, that environment, the better you'll perform. So uh, I feel we've got some uh, some exciting young players coming through that are there or thereabouts um, around an NRL level. So you mentioned all these different exciting pieces, the young players that you listed out before, Hayes Dunster coming back to full fitness. Are you happy with how the roster looks for season 2024? Yes, I am. I, we've got one spot available on our roster as it stands today, so 29 signed. I think we've got great balance. I think there's great energy. There's great enthusiasm. I think they're being well coached, well prepared in terms of the training, uh, being clear and explicit with expectations. And I think when you've got a good group of people that are working hard and that are talented, I think that a level of success is in, is inevitably going to follow. And uh, yeah, I am quite happy with, with where our roster is at the moment. I think that um, you know, we probably could... Uh, do with um, potentially another outside back, someone with like some match-winning sort of qualities around that that could could uh, turn a head, uh, turn a game on its head, you know, with a with a piece of brilliance, um, and that they're hard to find sometimes. But we uh, we won't stop looking for that. Yeah, and um, just on the recruits, we've added. Um uh, Morgan Harper and Kilma Tualangi. And from what I've seen in the preseason so far, they're certainly ticking some boxes. I think they're probably um, two of the fittest new recruits that I've seen come to the club. You know, they're right up there in, in how they've arrived. Uh, what sort of feedback have you had about them so far? Yeah, I've had some great feedback. Um, Kilma's... Big man too. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a unit. <laughs> he is a unit. He's a big man, and and Morgan's fantastic. We, uh, Jim Sarantinos and myself, we took them for lunch when they got here just to welcome them uh, to the club and explain a little bit about the, the club, our history, etc. And you know, Brad's you know put a lot of time in with them and their partners and family as well too, and 
And the comment that the pair of them said is that they've never, they've never been taken to lunch before. They've never had that sort of level of interest. And I thought, well, that's that's interesting, you know, because they're relatively young men, aren't they? But um, but it just shows to the level of importance that we place upon those two players coming into the roster. So the feedback's been good. They've trained hard. They've liked it. Uh, the the transition here to our club, and uh, they see what role they could play in the team and the squad, and it excites them, and they're all working hard, and they're all looking forward to pulling on that blue and gold jersey for the first time as well. So the feedback's been good, and um, uh, observationally too, they've been uh, they've been quite impressive with how they've trained. Yeah, I, as I said to you, I, I've. I've certainly uh, been impressed with how they've trained. And there was an interesting piece of media that only just came out too from Morgan Harper talking about his son being a passionate Parramatta supporter. Yeah. And that, you know, and, and that it was meaningful for him that not only was he pulling on the, the, the blue and gold this year for the fans, but it, just as importantly, he's, he's pulling it on for his son. Yeah. And, you know, that's, uh, I, I thought that was great. That was great content to have out there. It was a great content, you know. It talks to the person, it talks to um, his motivations, and yep. uh, talks to the type of kind of you know person and, and people that you surround yourself with. So yeah, it was it was a great piece. And you sort of preempted the answer here uh, with your good response before, but the Eels are still in the market to add to the squad for next season, and I suppose it comes in the case of, and I hate to use the term since the media love a splash around, but that X factor outside back. Yeah, there's something like that could add, add a level of excitement around that there. And, you know, we've got some young players that, that's coming through that um, maybe down the track that one or two of those could could potentially be that person. Uh, but if there was somebody that could add immediate value now, I know myself, Brad, and, and the playing group, you know, would be certainly interested in that. Just somebody that could, uh, you know crack a game wide open for us, you know, or, or, or come up with something that could turn a game, yeah. You haven't got any secret negotiations you want to share with us right now, have you? <laughs> uh, negative, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nothing in the pipeline just yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we've touched on this already, we, but we do have to be careful about getting ahead of ourselves with emerging pathways players. But at the same time, it's difficult not to be excited about some of these young players that are coming through our systems. And it's not just the the young blokes that are out there in getting the pre-season now, but it's, you know, it's the it's a whole group of players that we're seeing coming through the elite pathway system. Should supporters be confident that the club is producing future quality Eels NRL players? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, I guess the number one objective of any elite pathways program is to... Um, produce talent that will go through to the elite, uh, being NRL competition or NRLW. Now that we've got that pathway as well for the for the women, so and with the success of that program, there can be like a bit of a lag effect um, because they perform great today, but they don't make NRL until tomorrow, so yeah. to speak. So it's a good point you make about not getting ahead of ourselves because whilst we're training hard and the players are given us an insight into their ability, their capability, their skill, their fitness, their attitude, uh, their leadership, etc. Um, every other club's doing the same thing as well. But I would like to think that we do have a special group there, which is be, I guess, backed up by the fact that 
we were premiers in the SG Ball competition in 2023 and with that success makes you a little bit hungrier for more. You actually know what it looks like. You're coming into a pre-season with the big boys, not assuming what success looks like. You actually know it, you've felt it, you've experienced it and you want some more. So, And we had, we had a fair few de- debutants uh, in 2023 as well. Yeah, and that's important because having that visible pathway... Um, a wise lady, Mary Kay, once told me you, you cannot be what you cannot see. And uh, it's highly visible with all those players that come through and uh, debut uh, at our club, which will inspire the next generation to come through as well. So I, I think that our fans will be, should be pretty excited about some of the players that we've got that are just, just, um, just not there yet, but will be very soon. Oh, I'm... Very pleased to hear you quote a good friend of ours in Mary Kay. Um, but I, I My daughter actually pulled her up on that, Mary Kay, when she said that. And she said, really, Dad? Yeah, that's a bit old school, that train of thought, isn't it? <laughs> I said, you'll have to take that up with Mary. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, you mentioned about the, the debutantes. And I, I am going to single out a player just off the... Like, just now off the spur of the moment. Um, that... L- Looks to be having a completely different pre-season this season. Um, and I don't want to put you on the spot in, in, in talking about individuals, but maybe it's a general statement you can make about the difference that it makes when someone gets an NRL debut. Right? Luca Moretti. Luca in, is having a really, really strong pre-season. And what I'm looking at is it looks to me like it's someone who really believes in themselves out there. And I'm thinking... You know, if this is the difference that, that that debut in a season makes, you know, it can be it can be the making of a player that maybe was on the fringe and without that debut maybe wasn't gonna, you know, make that big step up. And and that's right, I agree. And it's a perfect example of giving a young bloke time to develop and uh, then the opportunity and let's just see see what he's got. So he's hungry, he's he's got a good controlled, aggressive streak in him, Luca. And, um, and he, you know, he's with the time to just understand his game, understand how he fits in at the club, understand what's his role in the team for him to feel like he does genuinely belong. Well, he feels that now. He knows that. So he's had that opportunity to live it and experience and his peers have been terrific in enabling... Um, or accelerating that that sense of belonging into the team because Lucas is as important as anyone else. They all play a role, even out here like a training. The way we train, that's a key success factor for us and our style, the way we play. We train at a higher level, which in turn allows us to perform at a higher level. And Lucas, you know, a wonderful example of that because he's persevered and he's worked hard and everything he's got, he's earned. And he can take a lot of confidence out of that and uh, know that... He's just got to repeat that um, and more this year and he'll be in the team more often than not. So we just missed the eight most season, uh, most recent season pass, but just a year removed from a grand final. Where do we set a realistic goal for the Eels in 2024? Is it top eight minimum? Is it top four? Uh, we, we know we've got a, a good squad. Uh, you know How much of a, the season pass was just an aberration? You get back to you know really high goal setting. Yeah, I, I, look, I personally believe, uh, and, and it's a shared opinion within the footy department, that 2023 
will be proven to be an outlier by our performances in 2024. With that said, I think the three teams that immediately missed out of the top eight in the Cowboys, the Rabbitohs and ourselves, I think, you know, we will, all three of us will improve, but so will the teams that that are in the eight as well. I think, like, Redcliffe will improve as well with some of the signings that they've got, led by Herbie, Herbie Farnworth. Um, I, I believe we're going to return back to the... Back to the top eight for sure. I don't want to sit here and you know um, uh, and create any uh, false hope or make any outlandish statements. But I genuinely believe we're going to be back in that around that top four, top six where we where we have been in the last four years prior to that. So, and everything that we see out here from the players on the field, the way that they're um, connected, and the way that some of the skill and hard work that they're showing, getting the volume into them right now so they'll have good seasons. I think there's a lot of individuals that'll have some really good seasons and they were tracking to have good seasons in in uh, 2023, if not for a, a few hiccups here and there. So, yeah, I'll, I'd be very confident and tell our fans we'll be bouncing back to uh, where we belong or where we feel we belong. Now, last year, or last season, a lot of fans were unhappy with the draw. Um <laughs> But, but that's for a variety of reasons. Um, everything from uh, being the only team not to have a bye during the Origin impacted rounds, um, playing teams coming off a bye, and for fans, uh, very early on in the season, it was a it was all about Thursday night and Friday six pm kickoffs. So it just made it difficult for fans to even get to games. From your perspective, has the draw been kinder to us for? 2024 or is this just one of these things like the draw is what it is yeah well it's funny I'm, I'm having a chuckle as you ask the question because I, I get, I, get uh, I get a bit of criticism around here because the draw for me it never really bothers me because when you when, when I say that I'm, I'm talking from a football context you know it does when if you get uh, too many um, poor time slots where you can't get uh, crowds in or families friendly or, or viewership, things like that, so we can, um, you know, try and fulfil some obligations around our sponsorships, etc. But from a footy perspective, I've never really sort of bought into it too much because the you, you're basing off, off, off like last year's uh, performances. Like who would have thought the Warriors would finish where they finished, you know, in 23? Mm. Uh, it, it's a little bit unpredictable and and um, we didn't have a, you know, our best start of the year last year, did we? Um, for a whole host of reasons, but our performances were still good. And I've mentioned about the difference in the past about performances and results. You know, the results didn't go away, but there are only two-point losses here and there, golden points, and and, we, and I guess one of the games we did beat Penrith early. But uh, with that said, it is acknowledged that I guess all coaches, all clubs like to get off on the right foot. It just gives a bit of breathing space to get that. You can't get your second win until you yep. get your first one, and so on and so forth. But... You know, I'm comfortable with where we're at with the draw and um, and uh, we're all excited and just can't wait to, to rip in. It is nice to have a buy in origin this year, though. It, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that, is, that, is, uh, that is definitely the case, you know. But I, I don't want to... I guess what I'm saying, I don't want to be sort of using that as an, as an excuse to, to our performances last year. I, you know, I, I owned it up front. We weren't good enough mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And we'll be better next year, that's for sure. Well, the, I think it's the uh, Dolphins get no buy 
during the origin period this year. I, I don't understand how this works, that there's so many buys yeah, you, that it can't be... I mean, clearly, clearly there's something to the formula, right? Because after two seasons, you'd think that they would have ironed that out. So, yeah, there must right. be something there. But some teams get two. It's just... yeah. It's hard to it's hard to work it's I hard mean, to work out. There, but, you know, you've got to factor in so many scheduling conflicts and whatnot. It's yeah. it, it's a, it is a difficult set of juggling. You know, yeah, it, look, yeah. it is pretty complex, and you know sometimes you get a draw that on face value looks average, and then as a year goes, well, no, that's a pretty favourable one, and yeah. vice versa. Mm-hmm. And you know, for us, we just take it as it comes, and we'll just you know do our best for each and every encounter every week, and I guess that's all you can do. So yeah, switch. You think if we're located somewhere that's still called the Shire, like this is the Hill Shire, the the other place that's located somewhere called the Shire, they do pretty well for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, switching to the macro lens here and, and looking at the total football program from top to bottom, it's been a transitional off season for a lot of changes. Firstly, we have new head coaches and all the junior rep teams and the Jersey flag, or in their respective pre seasons. How has the coaching transition been working for each of those squads? It's been working very well. It's been working very well. We've, we've um, James Shepherd looks after the elite pathways and he has an incredible work ethic. Uh, the amount of hours that he applies to the program, both uh, male and female, is enormous and they're paying dividends for that. We did um, increase our investment in our elite pathways in the last uh, 12 months or so. And that's credit to um, our board and and CEO Jim Sarantinos from from uh, you know ap- approving uh, the recommendations put through and acknowledging and understanding the relative importance of of a pathways program in a development club like Parramatta. So with that, it's seen a bulked up uh, coaching uh, capability. It's been a bulked up athletic performance. Capability. Uh, it's all consistent with our development club philosophy. And of course, we also know that whilst we're looking after the coaching and the athletic performance part, it's, it's underpinned by the care that we have for our players and their family. And if I may just plug our education wellbeing team, led by Dave Gower, and in his team, it's got George Danzi and Arnie Chrissy. Um, they were industry recognised of being top of the pile first for NRL, NRLW, and Elite Pathways. So we look like we're trying to give the holistic experience and uh, you know build that capability into our players, not just on the field, off the field. So the the pathways really is the the breeding ground to get as many players as we can into that elite program. So they've all. All settled in really well, the coaching staff, and we we have higher expectations now in that in that space. Not just from performances, because remember the 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 number one priority is to get as many players as we can um, from our elite pathways through to our elite programs in NRL, NRLW. And if I think of if I think of um, of Lindsay Tui, you know she did it in the same year, yeah. didn't she? You know, come through. Tasha Gale, and next thing you know, she's already made her NRLW debut and played a few games. You know what, what a star she is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and also want to echo talking about the welfare and education team because I don't think you could get three better people to all be together 
in in the in the one unit at the at a club. I think we're blessed there. That's amazing. You know, I see that, like even some of the young boys or young men when they come off after the game, straight over. Give Auntie Chrissy a cuddle <laughs> before they go to their friends and family. She's like, hey, you come over here, you know. And, and it's good because, you know, the players know that they care. And we, we just recently had a parents' induction day um, where we got a chance to get in front of the parents, uh, introduce ourselves. They could put a face to the name. We could show a little bit about the program because their child or children spends many, many hours, mm. you know, with us at the club. So it's important that they get to see who we are and what we do and what we stand for. So to give a little some confidence in the program and we've all got the confidence in the program and the outputs they're delivering in that elite pathways, but it's you know, it's good to showcase that to others so they understand as well too that, you know, your child or the player, whilst we want to keep the main thing the main thing, we do want to make sure that we do have better people for the experience they've had with our club than not. Well, I also want to point out that it's obligatory for us to as well to give Arnie Chrissy a hug when we arrive, yes. as we did yeah, today. All of us actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean it's true what you say about the amount of time that the young players spend with the coaches and staff when they're in these elite pathways. It's almost the same as as like for my own experience as a teacher, how important it was to um, to realise. You know the role that I had. I, I I was there with their their kids for probably as much time in a day as what the parents would be in terms of waking hours that they get to spend on a normal day. And it's you know with that comes a real responsibility, and and therefore the club has that responsibility to you know to be you know like the training that was done the other week that that first aid. Yeah. Um, you know the mental mental, mental first health thing. first aid. Yep. You know, just being you're a first responder. You're there all the time with the with the the young people and looking for signs to be that first responder. There, you may not be the you know the staff may not be the professional that ha- that helps them with it, but to be able to take care of a moment or to you know to convince them to they need to talk more with other people or whatever the case may be in terms of the action plan being trained in an action plan and and how to recognize things is like it's vitally important stuff oh, look 100 percent, and you you touched on a good point there you know with your reference to um the teaching days is it because sometimes people just need to know you care and they need to feel that someone believes in them and that's, you know, one of the wonderful things about our game. It's a game for everybody. And the, the education and wellbeing department is the most important thing in a football program in my mind. And uh, that's to say that, you know, we've got some wonderful people working the program, but we've got to allow our, our young men and women to be young men and women. And they're going to make mistakes. Yeah. They, they, they are. Like, it's, we all make mistakes. And... Uh, and to be there to understand that, okay, that's all right. Now let's, you know, collectively guide our way through it. We're here for you. And uh, we don't want to keep making the same ones over and over again. But you, I think part of life today and the challenges for the youth is that sometimes as parents you hover over the kids and don't allow them to make mistakes and, and learn from it. And, you know, there's the flip side where they might be they might not have the, the level of parenting that they otherwise would desire or like to have had. So 
being there to understand all people are different and uh, footy's the common connector around it. And the reality is most of them overwhelmingly are not going to get there yeah. to play NRL. But that's okay as long as we provide every opportunity to maximise your talent and give you the best possible chance to do that. And whilst we're doing that, build some capability in other areas. So it's about um, resilience and capability, not reliance and dependency. Yes. So, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful program that the that the Ed Wellbeing team deliver and, and it's all underpinned by care care for the player. Now Nathan Brown's moving on. It yes. was he's still like we're we're we've seen him here he's here today, he's working up until the you take your Christmas break. Um, it was a short but successful tenure. What is it that he brought to the Eels during his time here? Well, <laughs> Brownie, he'll be he'll be sadly missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fairness, it's a he's relocating to the Gold Coast where he's always wanted to do. He, he spoke to us about that uh, some time ago. He's up from Casino McLean Way. His family's there, and you know he's taken the family all around the world, really. And we're at the stage he's at um, in his life and the ages of his children. If he didn't make the move now, it might just be him and Tanya going without the kids. So. Um, that was the decision that, that he made, which we, we knew about for some time and we were hopeful that it would have been deferred for <laughs> a year or two. But Brownie has brought a unique coaching style um, to an elite pathways. Not only a unique coaching style, but the experience and talent that he's got. Like, he's a 250-game mm-hmm. uh, NRL coach. He's won silverware in the UK. He's been a player through a pathways, he's coached in pathways, he's worked under many great coaches and his style, his communication and coaching style is is uh, a little different as well too. When I say different, different is that it's good that players should be able to respond to you know, a number of different styles yes, and coaches yeah, and things yeah. like that. So he was all about his sort of shared experiences and you know, we work it out together and He's, he's firm and tough when he needs to be, but uh, he had his style had great appeal with some of our players. And there's no doubt that Brownie uh, himself could be solely responsible for the development of a lot of those players uh, that we see training with our NRL squad today because he's made them better footballers. Well, we've, we heard nothing but positive mm. comments about him. And even when we, we did our uh, special on the Para House and we're speaking to the young players there in the Para House, there was mention made of Nathan Brown as yeah. just being someone they could go, even get, just go and talk to. Yeah, and that's good because he, he would do the one-on-ones in here with the players, having the full-time resource. There's not too many clubs that have that level of expertise and credentials in a in a role like uh, uh, you know, like like Brownie and we do here. But he also brings a bit of energy and a bit of uh, you know, a bit of vibe into the <laughs> into the business. It's uh, he keeps Jim. Uh, happy down that other end as well too, you know, with a with a few jokes just to just to crack him up when things are tough, um, and he does it for all of us. To be fair, he's yeah. just he's just a good guy that cares for his players, cares for his workmates, and uh, and he's done a wonderful job. And of course, replacing him was always going to be a challenge, but the appointment that you ended up going for, from what I've seen, has been very widely received in a positive light. Steve Dojawa steps in in a dual capacity as both the Elite Pathways coaching director and the NRLW head coach. So he's going to obviously be handling things sort of on in almost two sections of the year, right? In yeah. that regard, but 
on the NRLW front, can you turn things around for our women's team next year? It was a bit of a struggle for them when the season just passed. Yeah, it was. It was. We did. We went through our lessons learned um, register, if you like, at the end of the year, like we always do. And uh, there was a few areas that we needed to needed to to pick up on around, you know, I guess our our training, um, our loads, uh, our preparation, and it was a difficult year with the four new teams being implemented. Massive so recruitment, yeah. yeah, recruitment was was a challenge. We had players agree and then and then not agree and go elsewhere. There was a there was a few issues around that. But what I will say that we we did have this year was a very connected group of players, even more so when you think of where we finished because it would be very easy to start pointing the finger and turning on one another and, and the fact that that didn't happen just spoke about the connectivity. Now, that's not ideal. You'd want to be, like, obviously like to be winning the competition as well. But Georgie has got a style which I think will resonate with the women's game. He's got genuine enthusiasm and a strong desire to work in that space because the women are sponges for knowledge. They've got plenty of questions they want to learn, and that's really appealing to Georgie around that space. Um, his style, in in a similar manner to uh, Brownie as well, is about sharing that experience that he's got, guiding you through, have that conversation. He He's all about connecting with the player and understanding the player first. And I think in this day and age with our pathways, that's an important uh, ingredient for any young uh, man or woman coming through playing the game is having someone there that you connect with and care and try and drive better. And with the women's game, Georgie's got that level of plantedness, that expertise, that sharp. He, he's, he's very hard right, when he needs to be, but fair. And I think he'll sharpen that that um, edge to our NRLW team that, that we need because we, we've got some good players there. Yeah, we do yeah, have got some yeah, good players. Is, we've got some of tomorrow's stars. Yeah. And just on the team itself, can we expect any significant recruitment to add to the roster from uh, that we had this year, last season? Look, we'll be making some announcements shortly around some of the, the players that um, we have recruited. We're 21 players signed out of the 24. So, And a lot of the, the players that are, that are younger will be better for the run. And uh, or for that experience, and they'll will develop. And I think I've mentioned Lindsay before, but but Boss, Cassie, yeah. Abby, wow, yeah. you know, there's a couple, couple of great players there. Yeah, and you think of like you know Mahalia, Elsie, mm-hmm. um, and Rachel, you know, along with sort of Kennedy, who's our current international. There's we've got some talent there. We just need to continue to work hard, build the depth, and you know if we can land, if we can land one or two more, that'd be. Uh, that's what we're trying to do. Yep. Now, you've sort of delivered some of this as we've spoken, but in terms of a sign-off, do you have a message for your supporters as we get closer to the 2024 season? Yeah, look, I, I do. I think that, um, firstly, thank you for your continued support um, and for our club, our team. Which as, a, as a leader of the footy department, I sincerely appreciate that. I, we've had a conversation internally about the connectivity um, focus for next year amongst our our community, our our partners. So we want to like live and breathe our uh, our values like throughout all levels of football and all levels of levels of network, and and that's united, accountable, respect, and all in. And 
we want to make sure that we produce a program, a team and performances that can make everybody proud. And uh, if we can do that and unite our community, get as many people as possible to identify as an eel, just have that sense of belonging in our club where we can all be proud of, proud of and, uh, and then that'll help us deliver our vision of being the pride of the rising west. So that's what I'd like to say. Thank you and, uh, and watch out for that connectivity moving forward. Well, thank you, Mark, for joining us on the tip sheet. Uh, we appreciate the fact that whether it's a great season like 2022 or you know, a disappointing season like 2023, you're always happy to front up and answer our questions and that's not wasted on us and our fans and our listeners. So thanks for giving us your time, mate. We know you're busy and we wish you, your family, everyone at the club a very, very Merry Christmas. Thank you. And in just uh, finishing off, I'd just like to say thank you for all that the Cumberland Throw does for our club. We, we really appreciate it. So thank you, gents. And I hope you uh, enjoy the festive season and, mm-hmm. and uh, have a few beers and in, enjoy it and buckle up for 2024 as soon as we come back. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Obviously a massive thank you there to Mark O'Neill for giving us his time today to sit down and chat about all things Parramatta from season 2023 into what's going to happen next year. And that isn't a wrap for us on the tip sheet this week. Stay tuned for our usual news and NRL podcast, which will be coming out on, I believe, Thursday. Uh, But until then, stay safe, guys. Thanks for stopping by. And uh, in lieu of 60s, go you mighty eels.